Harris is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Boise State for the win. They hand it off to Johnson. Boise State has won the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Can you believe it? He's going for the corner. Kick is blocked. Appalachian State has stunned the college football world. One of the greatest upsets in sports history. Welcome back to another episode of the Fifth Year Podcast. On this episode, we have an interview with Dylan Stoner. We also wanted to bring on a third co-host, just kind of see how it went, see how three people would be. So we have Zach Ruley. On this week, Parker and I both went to Jinx uh, with Zach. He's a year younger than us. So, Zach, welcome to the podcast. Anything to say to start it off? No, just happy to be here. Thanks, guys, for having me on. All right. Parker, any any intro yeah. words from you? No, uh, appreciate everyone tuning in. Excited to, to have Ruli on uh, for the episode. Uh, you've As much shit as we might give him, he actually knows what he's talking about. So, uh excited to see where this goes appreciate that don't give get his head too big at the start of the podcast all right all right let's get into the week seven recap starting off iowa i was kind of expecting this for a while but iowa gets upset by purdue loses 24 7 basically losing the entire game and just didn't really have any fight it looked like yeah they this is what happens when iowa doesn't uh doesn't turn the other team over i don't think purdue threw an interception all day uh, and Iowa's offense clearly can't do anything uh, without a short field. Uh, so some of those signs, those tendencies that we'd seen leading up to this game, uh, and I think kind of an outcome people were expecting at some point. I don't necessarily think I would have would not have thought it would have been been to Purdue, but uh, good for Purdue. They got four zero and uh, are uh, ranked now for the first time since like two thousand seven or something like that. Oh wow! Yeah, I. I was looking at the rest of Iowa's schedule, pulling it up here because I know wasn't it they they have the tough one. I'm thinking of or is that the one that they only play in Nebraska and Wisconsin? Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. Not, not that hard going forward. So it's even tougher than Xperia. What have you what do you think of it? Do you, were you high on Iowa before or not really? Um, no. I mean, I was just thinking about it. Can you name one Iowa quarterback in the last 10, 15 years, or since we've been alive, just one Iowa quarterback. What's the guy, uh, uh, CJ Bet, the guy oh, that played B- for CJ Beathard? There, yeah, there's one. Yeah, is it actually um, pronounced, pronounced Beathard? Uh, it's Bethard or Beathard. Okay. <laughs> I think it's Bethard. Bethard yeah. I recognize that name. Yeah, yeah, that's the only guy I can name. Oh, and then this year, but only because I've literally just doing this podcast. Yeah, I've had to see his stats throughout the season. Petros, um, yeah, you, I don't even you, know if I'm saying that right. But. Yeah, you knew Iowa was going to um, shoot themselves in the foot. It's, it's kind of like Oregon. Um, they look super sharp against Ohio State. You knew eventually Oregon would just lose a game. Yeah. Right. Given. And I'm sure I hate to throw Oklahoma State in that same boat, but logic tells hey. you sometime it will happen. Yeah, yeah, I've seen your tweets. You keep saying, please delete this. No, yeah, I don't want any good publicity for Oklahoma State. <laughs> Keep that as low key as possible. 
Well, moving on to Oklahoma State, they uh, big win in Austin, another blown lead by Texas. I just I don't know what happens at halftime for them. Yeah, really. You all you you kind of take this one here. You have a better pulse of what's going on in Stillwater. What are your thoughts on on Saturday? Yeah, so I was there. It looked like they tried to get Spencer some easy throws early, which first play of the game, he threw a nice deep ball to Tay Martin, who we'll call it a drop, but it would have been a pretty spectacular catch. Um, and then a really slow start from the defense. I think Bijan, um, he's a very talented runner, probably the best running back in the country. So good. Uh, he's, he's really good. Getting to see him play in person was uh, pretty cool, but – he carved him, uh, credit to Jim Knowles in the defense, somehow walked away after a bad pick by Spencer Sanders, which I think he would tell you was just a bad throw. Uh, only being down four at half was uh, pretty incredible, honestly, or that small margin at halftime was pretty pretty big time. But Jim Knowles and his defensive staff and unit, they do a heck of a job. I think Texas had, uh, what, 17 yards in their last eight possessions, something like that. I know Crazy. one yard in the fourth quarter, so really shut him down, but heck of a win. Yeah, what – I mean, obviously the defense has been kind of the storyline for OSU, and deservedly so. They held Texas scoreless over the last, like, 27 minutes. But what – like, the offense seems to have found – it's not sexy what they're doing, but they have a method. Do you think it's going to be enough going down the stretch here where the defense – if they keep up what they're doing and the offense, you know, can put up 30 points a game, I mean, there's not that many teams out there that I could see, you know, scoring 30 on OSU this year. No, yeah, definitely. I, it, I wouldn't – at the moment, I don't think it's sustainable if your goal is to win the Big 12. Uh, if your goal is to win 10 games, then, yeah, I think that can happen, especially um, if you win this weekend in Ames and then KU next week, you're already to eight. Um, then you'll have Tech left, Oklahoma. But definitely uh, they're a good football team. And I will say this, I don't think this is a hot take in my opinion, but as good as Bijan was Saturday and the stats would say, I think Bijan ran the ball like nine less times than, than Warren did. Warren was the better back simply because of the workload he was able to take on late in the game and how he was able to grind out runs and really keep the game alive for OSU. Yeah, I've got pulled up here at 33 carries, 193 yards compared to Bijan. I think 135 yards. So, yeah, I mean, Warren looked every bit as good as, you know, Bijan has, like, makes some plays and does some things that, like, no one can do, and you're kind yeah. of just left, like, with your jaw dropped. But in general, I mean, Jalen Warren was the better back on Saturday. Uh, and clearly, OSU kind of found a, a – I would say, like, I mean, how – a diamond in the rough. He went, like, Juco, Utah State. How highly sought after was he in the transfer portal, really? I don't believe very, and there was actually a pretty interesting article. There's a, he didn't elaborate, but he was talking about how out of high school, I think this was a high school coach actually was saying this. There was a current big 12 coach uh, that came to look at him. And he said, that kid's not good enough to run in the big 12, yada, yada, yada. But the only coaches that could have been are narrowed down to Gary Patterson, Matt Campbell, or Mike Gundy. And seeing as though he's at Oklahoma state, um, it wasn't Mike, and I don't think it was Matt Campbell. So yeah, that has Gary Patterson written all over. <laughs> I was just about to say that we've talked about him. We brought him up in the last like three episodes. He's such an asshole. <laughs> Considering how he pulled, um, so Dominic Richardson, the backup running back at OSU, yeah, was, yeah he was going to go there, and then Zach Evans committed, 
So he totally pulled the, his scholarship late. But yeah, Jalen Warren, I was, I remember people telling me too at the beginning of the season, um, he's going to be the guy. And LD Brown, I thought, is a really good running back. He's hurt. But uh, Jalen, I was told, was a pretty special runner, and he's shown that so far. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing about Bijan is he's just, he makes those, his vision, especially in open field, like those cutbacks. He had a few against OU and then some against OSU. Like his vision and cutbacks is just something just absolutely insane. He's so good. Yeah. And it's, it is going to be interesting to see, especially like what his Heisman, what happens to his Heisman stock. I mean, with being such a wide open year, I think you don't necessarily have to be on a national championship contending team. But uh, Texas is like as much hype as they've gotten in their offense has been really good all year. Uh, they suddenly have three losses and it's what mid October. So it's just looking like another five, six lot. Maybe but I don't see. I mean, they're probably going to worse. I see them going like seven and five, but still uh, it's kind of same old, same old. The norm we've gotten used to uh, from Texas. It seems yeah, like I- this is the it seems like this Heisman this year is like more wide open than usual. I know like Bryce Young is, is the favorite and not by quite a bit, but it just seems like with Matt Corral, especially cause Ole Miss and then Bijan with Texas and they're not doing as well. It seems like it's just really wide open. And then who knows with Caleb Williams, I'm not saying halfway through the year, but I know I've, I've already seen him. I think he's like eighth, eighth. Yeah. His odds are moving up yeah. quickly. Which would be wild. What were you saying really? Uh, no, that's what I was going to say. It's so wide open. I saw, I've been seeing some tweets, uh, the running back at Michigan State. Yeah, Kenneth Walker. Body numbers. He, he looks really good. And this is definitely a year where hopefully a non-quarterback could win. You'd like to see it. I agree. A bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on to Georgia. Another week, another dominant performance. They just start yeah. to finish. Same old, same old, just – completely taking the run away from from whoever they play. Kentucky's, like, rush offense was really, really good. Rodriguez is one of the better running backs in the country, and they held Rodriguez to seven yards on seven carries. Uh, they had 51 total rushing yards on 27 carries. I mean, that's like a – that's a backfield that's averaging over six yards a carry uh, heading into that game. So, basically took, took away the run. Uh, Kentucky played well. They hung around. They – their defense slowed Georgia down in the first half. Um, but, I mean, when you can't move the ball and you're just constantly having short drives, punting it to, to Georgia, eventually they're going to wear you down with that run game, and that's what happened. So Georgia kind of blew it open late. But, uh, yeah, Georgia uh, gets it done 30-13. to 13. Uh, Looked like they could have with their lack of weapons because of injury. Uh, they've needed guys to step up, and now it's – Freshman tied in Brock Bowers. He had over 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but yeah, Kentucky. I mean, I was actually overall. I don't think any less of Kentucky that, than I did before. They were hanging around only down 14-7 at half. But they, I don't know if anyone's got the offensive firepower to get past that Georgia Georgia defense, but especially Kentucky. Yeah. Would you say Kentucky's the third best team in the SEC? I would. I think that that I think either them or Ole Miss. Yeah. I'd probably take Kentucky, though, over Ole Miss at this point. Yeah. I, what do you think? Well, Ole Miss can't stop anybody. They, right, they yeah. really have the best quarterback in the league. But, um, God, I mean, they are so bad defensively. They looked a little bit sharper against Tennessee this past week. I will give them credit for that one. But 
um, against Arkansas, I mean, they got blitzed. They, they couldn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, their defense is – is not good at all. Yeah, so I mean, I'd lean towards. I mean, I, there's such a gap between one and two, and then three and four, or yeah, between one and two, and then I think there's what you could think you could you could make an argument for. Oh, I mean, I mean, I think it's one of those two. I mean, A and M is playing well right now, but I mean, I wouldn't say they're the third best team in the conference. Florida stinks. Tennessee. I mean, maybe. I mean, I don't even know, but I think it's got to yeah. be Kentucky Ole Miss. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Corral, his stat line too. Rushed for a hundred. He had thirty carries. I know. Yards, yards, right? Yeah, hundred and ninety-five yards. Goodness gracious! He won them that game. We'll say right. I'm not too big on my run on my quarterback running that many times. That's that's a lot of hits. Yeah. yeah, I know. And yeah, moving on to that, uh, Ole Miss pulling out the upset in Knoxville, and a wild scene at the end. I could not believe what I was seeing. Yeah, that was insane. Well, I mean. What, what, so I wasn't actually watching when the, I mean, I, I turned, I flipped over to it once. I used to get on Twitter and see what, what was the bad call in the first place that had the Tennessee fans? I don't even, I wasn't even watching the game that closely. I just, I saw it all unfold because I started see, because I saw the golf ball. They started saying something about a golf ball. And I was like, wait, what? And then they started throwing stuff, but I don't even know what the actual call was, but it was so It was a fourth and 26. Tennessee needed 26 to keep the game going, I believe. And they got 25 and a half. Oh, um, I do remember the, that. I guess that was the call that, like, did it. Yeah. But uh, reading through Twitter from Tennessee fans, it was a culmination of bad calls. And that that last call just blew the top off because that was to end the game. But Yeah, so uh, there was, I saw, like, bottles of dip spit on the field, mustard bottle. They, that, I mean, Kiffin got hit by the golf ball. And then you see Kevin's snag of that water bottle when he was heading into the tunnel. Yeah. They threw everything. Yeah, because I saw it unfold, and they started throwing stuff, and then the Ole Miss bench started looking back, and I was like – because you can't really tell on TV. But then when they everyone started turning back on the sideline, I was like, okay, this there's got to be a lot of trash being thrown. And then even when the game resumed, you can see all on the sideline, there is so much trash. And then they were even throwing it at their own palm squad and cheerleaders like they are raising the signs above their heads to protect themselves from all this trash being thrown. And there are apparently 19 people were arrested and like 47 ejected from that game. Just wild. Yeah, Did you see Sarah. Lane tweet after the game? Who? Lane Kiffin just tweeted after the game, a, a picture. It says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. So. <laughs> he was loving that his post-game interview. He's like, I just, i love this place. Great fans. I'm like he uh. threw out his hat to a Tennessee fan afterwards too. Yeah. And then you see when he went pulled the hoodie up right like when he was walking out to midfield, like it was yeah. to protect him from anything. Yeah, I know. That's uh, but also I've outside and all the attention is on the the post game stuff. Even though they lost, I'm really really impressed by what Heifel's done at Tennessee. I mean, they're he's in one season turned them into a competitive SEC team, which they haven't been in four or five years at least. Yeah, I definitely agree. He was my favorite OU offensive coordinator. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he was. <laughs> All right. Exciting offenses with Trevor Knight and Blake Bell. And- yeah. yeah. I love I love watching that guy coach. He created the belldozer. It was beautiful. <laughs> All right, moving on to OU. Man, we just keep getting led right into the next topic. So Caleb Williams, first start, really looked good. 
uh, 18 for 23, 295 yards, four passing touchdowns, and a 41-yard rushing touchdown. He's he's insane. He like, is. That is a different, a completely different team with him out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, once again, he opened up the run game big time. Allowed Kennedy Brooks to run at will, 153 yards on almost eight yards of carry. Guys that haven't, I mean, he guys that haven't been really too involved in the offense are shining. Hazelwood, who hadn't, I don't think he'd scored a touchdown against an FBS team in his career so far, and he had three touchdown catches. That, and he also two. had three career touchdowns before that game and then had three in that game, so another yeah. crazy stat for him. And the but like on the other side of it, OU's defense is like still mm-hmm. look the holes are looking bigger and bigger, especially the defensive backs. They I get it, they do have injuries with Woody Washington and Turner Yell. They've been out for a while. And then DJ Graham had a concussion, but I mean shows the lack of depth they have, which I think has been the difference between OU and the Alabamas and Georgia Georgias of the world. Uh when you've got Justin Broyles and Jaden Davis and those guys struggling just to keep up with the receivers. Uh, it's kind of scary to think if they're having to play in the postseason, how that would look. But yeah. overall, he was a completely different team, better team than they were with Spencer Rattler at quarterback. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it was showed that Texas game wasn't a fluke. Yeah. Yeah, and you talk about Kennedy Brooks. I mean, them opening up the run game with Caleb's play, he's gone for – in the games Caleb was played, obviously, 25 for 217 against Texas and then 20 for 153 last week. He's he's always been a really good runner. Um, so as an OSU fan, very scary to see him getting back into form. And the line's getting better, too, from from what I've seen. They're, they're playing better as a unit. And unfortunately, I think it probably has something to do with um, the body language and chemistry of the guy under center. But Yeah, I mean, everyone out – I mean, the whole team looks – so much like more fired up every time they yeah. run out on the field just yeah. change the, the whole outlook and another thing is i know that yeah it's great with caleb but unfortunately i kind of like this has got to be a lot of spencer too i mean the fact that an entire team looks so much different when a quarterback change like caleb's awesome but it just kind of shows that spencer just something was up with the entire team when he was playing yeah one odds are you're more than likely going to see Spencer Rattler play Saturday against Kansas because you'd like to think that one's wrapped up by halftime and number seven yeah. just out there as the backup. Yeah, throw for like six touchdowns in the second half. Yeah, just to yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably he he can put up pretty insane numbers against that KU defense. I think. Yeah, yeah. All right, so finishing up with some quicker quicker recaps of the games. Starting off, Parker, why don't you just go through these? We'll chime in whenever. Yeah, Cincinnati keeps it rolling, which which is what they're going to need to do uh, since they don't have the opportunities that the other playoff contenders are going to have. Uh, killing Central Florida 56 to 21. They're all the way up to number two in the AP poll, which is the highest in school history. Uh, Ford, uh, Jerome Ford, and that uh, collection of running backs have been going off. They ran for 336 yards and six touchdowns. I think Ford had four touchdowns. So, yeah, since he's rolling, uh auburn let me stop you there because i've been just hearing about cincinnati in the playoffs and it's really the question of does their win over notre dame get them in the playoffs because you think one loss maybe oregon pac-12 champion you have a hot ohio state big 10 champion and then you have maybe an alabama 
if they it's either Alabama or Georgia or maybe both and OU and then Cincinnati with a win against Notre Dame and a win against Indiana that's not that great it's almost like I think mediocre resume yeah but I think the difference between the Cincinnati team and like other past group of five teams is that I think just looking I mean you, they passed the eye test they look better yeah. than like they're better than Oregon like if I would oh, they'd be favored against Oregon and like I I think there's they've got to just go out and kill teams I mean that's yeah what yeah, they, yeah they got to run it up and not feel too bad about it and if you do it in a year, it's perfect. I mean, they do have a power five win against Notre Dame at Notre Dame. So if you're going to do it and they're looking so well, so I think you just have to at this point. So but, do you yeah. guys think they, if they run the table, do you think they get in as one of the four? I, I would, think it kind of depends what happens too. I think they would. I think, cause I think the Pac-12, I don't think they're going to have a, I think at best they're going to have a two lot. I don't, I think we're going to lose again. I don't think, so I think they'll, they'll eliminate themselves. Uh, I think depending on what happens to the big big 12 like would a would they get in over a, a one loss OU or OSU big 12 champ okay um, let me rephrase it too who's your, who's your four if the season ended tomorrow and you were the committee oh, who's your four tomorrow like if just yeah. okay my four would be Georgia Cincinnati OU okay so I think Alabama is one of the four four best teams, but off this Sam, I, I don't know. I, I probably Alabama still. I, I don't know. Oh. I, I don't know. I, the fourth one's kind of hard. I don't know. Me just throwing a, a guess out there is how the what I think will end up happening with the four is just it's not super bold or anything, but um, Alabama, Georgia, Georgia is the clear cut number one, obviously. Yeah. Right. Um, I wonder how much the committee would way if Alabama lost to Georgia in the SEC title game surely they wouldn't give them benefit of the doubt and say they're still one of the four best teams but I think it'll be Alabama Georgia Oklahoma Ohio State is the four another thing that I yeah I mean a one loss Ohio State's gonna get in over an undefeated Cincinnati I think yeah because they're killing teams right now too and they'll more than likely beat Michigan who's gonna be ranked relatively high when they play um, Michigan stakes ranked pretty high. I think they might be on their schedule. Um, it sets up favorably for the Buckeyes per usual, even after the pretty bad early loss. I mean, they, they got beat pretty much that entire game by Oregon. Another thing is no one talks about it, but the ACC winner, I know, because, I mean, you have undefeated in the conference NC State and Wake Forest, and NC State's already taken care of Clemson. So if you have an un, undefeated, well, I guess NC State's 5-1. and one, I don't know. It's also hard to talk playoffs in week eight. Like, <laughs> there's so much that has to happen. So, like, so Ohio State's there. remaining schedule, let just look at it from the what the committee would say is a quality win and what's not. This Saturday, Indiana, that's whatever. But then the next weekend, they have Penn State at home, Nebraska on the road, Purdue at home, who's ranked, Michigan State, who's top 10 at home, and then they end the season at Michigan, who's also ranked top 10. So the yeah. wins are out there for them to to get back into the top four. Yeah, if they yeah. if they were on the table and then beat say Iowa in the Big Ten championship, yeah, they're they're not leaving that team out. <laughs> All right, Parker, back to it. Like yeah. a little playoff talk. Got to throw that in there. Yep. Uh, Auburn beats Arkansas 38-23. Got up early. Arkansas got right back in it, but then uh, Auburn kind of pulls away late. Bo Nix looked the best I'd seen him look. 
maybe ever. 21 for 26, 292 yards, two touchdowns, did throw an interception, but, you know, it's Bo Nix, so you got to expect one of those every game. And then also had a rushing touchdown and 42 rush yards. So uh, Arkansas has kind of been brought brought back to earth a bit here as of late. Um, yeah, just, you know, good one for Auburn, though. Uh, Pittsburgh is rolling. Uh, they beat uh, Virginia Tech 28-7. Kenny Pickett has been one of the hottest quarterbacks in the country, and I think he's like 22-1 to in the Heisman uh, race right now. So uh, Vegas is liking what he's doing. Uh, they've been on a tear, though, ever since they got beat by Western Michigan, outscoring their last three opponents 157-35. to uh, So Pitt's got a real opportunity yeah. here to make a run at an ACC championship game appearance, which they've only done one other time. So uh good things happen in Pittsburgh Baylor uh takes down BYU 38 24 Bears get to six and one Abram Smith rushed for 188 yards and three touchdowns and he was a guy that was like a fill-in linebacker last season uh when he needed some help on defense so cool story there um good win for for Baylor do you guys think what do you guys think about Baylor as a, a big 12 title contender what um Honestly, I haven't even watched much of Baylor so far. I mean, you have to give it to them. They have, or is it they have won, or they haven't lost in Big Twelve yet? They have lost. Yeah, they lost OSU. They lost OSU. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's shaping up. You can easily say it's going to be a Bedlam Big Twelve championship game, which would be really cool. But hey, you hey, it's the, that's actually about that. Sorry, really, sorry, really, I forgot your rule. <laughs> um, I think Baylor's got a really good coach and. They really run the ball well. Um, so it, it honestly, I I take the Sooners to cover whatever the point spread will be, but when OU and Baylor play, um, what I saw, the OU defensive backfield, they don't like to tackle much, especially against good hard runners like what Bijan is. Um, so when Baylor plays them, that'll be a pretty interesting game. Obviously, Sooners are more than likely come out on top, but uh, Baylor's a, a good football team. I don't think – they, I think if they played Iowa State 10 times, these same teams, they probably win three of those, maybe. Um, but but they're decent, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they play good defense, they, they're well coached, they run the ball well, so yeah, they're they're solid. Uh, I don't think they're anything special though, but yeah. Um, so I'll move ahead here. Utah, uh, keeps rolling with Cam Rising under center, score 21 straight, I think. to beat uh, Arizona State 35-21. Uh, Utes are rolling 3-0 in conference play, uh, looking like they're going to be the team to beat right now in the Pac-12 South, but that team has evolved. It was UCLA initially, then ASU, and now it looks like Utah, but you never know in the Pac-12, so we'll see what happens the rest of the season uh, for the Utes. Uh, Nebraska, who has been dropping close games to good teams, uh, had an opportunity against a team they're probably better than, but lose – uh, to Minnesota and dropped a three and five. Uh, and that's a Minnesota team that's without their top two rushers, both out for the season. And the Huskers have Ohio State, Iowa, Purdue, and Wisconsin still looming. So mm. three and five bowl eligibility is not looking likely for Scott Frost. Uh, but with that $20 million buyout, I don't think the Huskers are going to be making a move <laughs> soon. But I mean, things just Right when a thing looks like Nebraska might have a solid team, but just things aren't going their way, they lose to a much worse team. So, a good uh, three and five team. <laughs> yeah, as good as it gets, three and five. 
Um, Alabama bounces back after that loss to AM. Pounds Mississippi State 49 9. Jordan Battle got it going early in that game with the pick six, and the tide never looked back. Uh, Oregon and Michigan State both survived scares. Oregon beat one in five Cal 24 17. Uh, Cal had a chance at the end to tie it up. I think they had like eight plays inside the 10 yard line at the end of the game and couldn't get a touchdown. Uh, so Oregon survives. And then Michigan State. Uh, beats Indiana 20 to 15. Kenneth Walker, who's had such a good season, uh, struggled a bit on the ground, but Michigan State survives to stay undefeated. Uh, and then lastly, uh, this will kind of lead into our college football headlines, but LSU gets the job done, upsetting Florida uh, in Baton Rouge. Uh, uh, Tyrion Davis Price had an enormous game for the Tigers, 287 rush yards and three touchdowns. And now, ever since Florida got upset by LSU last season in that shoe toss game, um, Florida's lost six of their last eight. So things not going well for Dan Mullen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, moving on to our college football headlines. Like Parker said, Coach O out at LSU, even after a win against Florida, which was pretty expected, but he's officially done after the year. If you if you guys read the stuff just about like his girlfriends and like apparently he would have like his girlfriends have been around practice. He has the Title Nine stuff going on, um, issues going on there. So then when you when the winning stops and you've got Coach O would have got gotten away with all every all the off the field stuff, despite what LSU says, uh, if they were still winning at a high clip. But yeah, that was uh been quite the fall from grace, very Gene Chizik-esque. Yeah, he was letting the he was letting his uh, girls he was chasing, he was letting their kids participate in drills of practice. Yeah, I read that. That's that's wow, I didn't see insane. that. And did you see apparently he went recently, he was at a gas station, went up to some yeah, female and to ask if she wanted to work out, go work out with him, and to which she said she was married and pregnant. And he said something along along the lines of, "Why does that matter?" Yeah. She was married yeah. to a someone with some clout at LSU, so that got back to the board of the regents pretty quickly. So yeah, his yeah. dang it, Coach O, what are you? And doing? even if he wasn't doing all this stuff, LSU's cutthroat. They 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 don't they don't mess around down there. Yeah. They, they're very serious about winning football games. Yes, they are, and they uh, yeah, that they're being clearly. Coach O is not a very good coach. I mean, he had Joe Brady and Dave Aranda as his coordinators and some of the most talented players in all of college football for that 2019 season. So that was the outlier. Uh, I think what we're seeing from LSU this season is kind of who Coach O is. Yeah. Who would you – who do you think they should hire if you had to put down a short list? Well, I mean, I think – and I know what he said. I know he said he's – not leaving AM basically, but Jimbo, I still think, is the first yeah. person that you've got to call. Scott Woodard, the uh, athletic director at LSU, brought Jimbo to AM and in a deal that includes a zero dollar buyout if coach if, if he decides to leave AM. So you'd think that's got you've got to Jimbo might be saying no right now, but Nick Saban also said he was going to be coaching the, the Miami Dolphins and like two weeks later was Alabama's head coach. So yeah. Uh, I think that's the first person you call. Uh, I've heard LSU likes some people at LSU like Mel Tucker. 
Uh, he's done really well at Michigan State, but I mean, he's kind of bounced around from Colorado to Michigan State after only one year in Boulder. So who knows if he'd consider leaving again. And then, I mean, James Franklin, whose name comes up for every job opening, he'll obviously be a name in the USC search too. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Billy Napier. At La- I was going to say, La- that, yeah. that's a name they should look at. Don't know if they will. I um, don't think they will. I just don't think, it, I don't think they're, they're going to want to make their fans happy. And I don't right. know. If and, are. Yeah. That's not a, that's not a name that really gets the fans uh, pumped, but Billy Napier is a really good football coach. Yeah. He's re- and yeah, really good football coach <laughs> would be a cheap buyout and they could pay him less than whatever they, could, they pay anyone else. And he already, he already knows the state of Louisiana. He, yeah. And it's his backyard. LSU is such a good job. I mean, think about Ed O and Les Miles, both won national championships there. And neither of them yeah. are, you know. What if they, so they've won three national championships the past 25 years with three different head coaches? Yeah, Saban, Miles, Coach O, all won national titles there. I mean, that's got to be – I think it's a top five job in the country. What's better, say, USC or LSU job right now? Yeah. I, I would rather coach – I think – well, well – from the coach's point of view, maybe USC because you've got the USC blue blood. I mean, they're obviously one of the best programs of all time. And the main thing is you don't have all the pressure you'll have yeah, at LSU. Exactly. Yeah. But LSU, I mean, per capita, I mean, Louisiana's got some of the best talent in the country. So, so and they all go the, to LSU. But say you're the number, you're the you're the top coaching target in the country. Every school wants you. Rank these schools of USC, LSU. Florida, Nebraska, Miami, those five, which, what would you be your list? USC would be one. LSU would be two. Florida three, Miami four, Nebraska five. Yeah. Nebraska's tough. I think USC is, would be an, I mean, that is, I don't think you can ask for much better of a setup than going to USC. I totally agree. It's the Pac-12, exactly. It's a little bit weaker conference. The fans aren't as engaged because they don't really have any. Right. I mean, if and if you can go in and, I mean, even just win 10 games a year, the, the, the bar has never been lower at USC. You're coming in. I mean, if you can go and win 10, 11 games early on, you're compared to if you win 9, 10 games in L- at LSU, they might be calling for your, for your job. Yeah, all right, moving on to Nick Rolovich, West, or Washington State head coach out after failing to comply with vaccine mandate. This has kind of been a whole whole deal, kind of a weird deal. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too into the whole vaccine deal, but yeah, he and four of his assistants are out after uh, failing to comply with a state uh, law for got for state employees, which Washington state coaches are, uh, they didn't get, didn't get the shot. So, uh, the deadline was today, I think Wednesday, the 19th, and they didn't get it. And so they're out. Uh, Jake Dickert is taking over as the interim head coach, which this kind of sucks is for, you know, Washington state fans. They had won three in a row, including a big comeback win over Stanford on Saturday. So things are heading in the right direction. And suddenly, their head coach and half their staff are gone. So that'll be interesting to see how it plays out there. But yeah, Washington state, that's an interesting job too. It'd be interesting yeah, to see who definitely. it's a hard job. Yeah. Very. All right. Moving on to the American athletic 
They're on the verge of a six-school expansion. I saw your tweet the other day, Parker. It's getting a little watered down, and I completely agree. Yeah, this is so bad. Yeah, yeah. the AAC is going to apparently uh, – they're going to ex- – expecting applications this week from Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, UTSA, Rice, and UAB. And they're expected to accept these invitations and could be within a matter of days here that these six schools are – uh, officially added as members to the American Athletic Conference. Uh, this would make the AAC a 14-team conference, football and basketball, with Navy being a football-only team and Wichita State not playing football. And they're hoping these teams can play as early as 2023. Oh, I mean, this is quick. They've become quickly become. They've gone from, from by far the best non-Power Five conference to not. I mean, I think the Mountain yeah. West is probably a better conference. Sun Belts are arguably a better conference. I mean, none of these names do it for you. I mean, they're all in major metro areas. I mean, UAB has been good, but ugh. if I'm like Memphis and SMU and South Florida, I mean. Now, do you, think, do you think Coastal could have, if they would have said, hey, Coastal Carolina is one of the teams coming over, I think as a, as a Memphis fan, that might excite me a little bit with as good as their program has been recently, but with yeah, I mean, if they said, I mean, exactly. That's, that's the thing. They didn't even go pluck the best teams they could get. Like, what about App State? Yeah, that's an exciting yeah. team people know just because of the, the Michigan game. But, and so apparently what's going to happen is the current members are going to be getting a majority of the money still. They're going to be getting like $7 million a year compared to $2 million for the new team. So there's going to be a big gap there. But, yeah, I mean, so what I don't understand is why the top schools in the AAC would – allow this especially these teams like why would SMU want any part of having Rice North Texas and UTSA uh, other Texas schools suddenly at the same level of conferences they're in so I think that'll hurt them I mean unless you know SMU and I mean I still think there's a good chance the Big 12 expands again once OU and Texas are gone so and I'm sure SMU and Memphis are hoping that that's a possibility and there to those two and BYU or in Boise are probably the three next teams on the in the pecking order, but yeah, it just uh, seems like a weird, weird fit. And the other thing is they wait and see what happens to the big 12 or eventually, I mean, with an, I tweeted out earlier, if I'm in the mountain West, I'm reaching out to SMU Memphis because I mean, I don't know. It just seems like the AAC has quickly become second or third best non-power five conference. Yeah. I know. I think they're, they're quick to do the expansion too. And I'm not really sure why, but I guess they have to. All right. That is our uh, week seven recap and college football headlines on to our interview with Dylan Stoner. All right. We're excited to welcome on a friend of ours, a guy we've known for a long time, uh, Dylan Stoner. Dylan uh, was two-time honorable mention, all Big 12 wide receiver, as well as a four-time academic Big 12 uh, all-team uh, and now is a member of the Las Vegas Raider Raiders. Uh, we're excited to welcome Dylan. Dylan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys. Happy, happy to be on. Jump on the call with y'all. So we'll we'll start it off. We kind of curious. What is uh what's the just a week of practice like, and how is it different from OSU? Has a full time job now. Yeah, like you said, um, it's definitely a full time job. You know, it's not. Um, just meetings and practice in the afternoon. We're there from start in the morning, about seven 30 meetings get kicked off. Um, 
in the meetings for about three, three and a half hours. Then we work, work our way to practice depending on the day, it could be hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours. So um, then after that, another meeting and then uh, kind of the rest of the afternoon to, to yourself. So probably about seven 30 to three o'clock is normal time frame up at the facility doing practice and meetings, all that. So um, long days, but it's nice to kind of have that time in the evenings to wind down. So um, really, really not too bad of the schedule all in all. Yeah. Yeah. That is really nice. Has it been, has it been a hectic, hectic couple of weeks with the coaching change going on? Yeah, it has, man. It's obviously um, unfortunate. Um, no one could see this coming. Um, I think anyone on the team would say that. Um, but, you know, the transition, our special teams coach took over. He's got respect from everyone in the locker room. So, um, you know, we addressed the situation at hand. Um, and then we just kind of went on. Um, you know, everyone still has the same mindset, same goal. That's to win games and, and play in February. So, um you know, that was kind of our approach to it all, which honestly is was, was, was a good transition. You know, we're working with a bunch of guys that want one common goal. So uh, really it was a distraction, but we were able to, you know, focus on the big picture. Yeah. Who's the, who's the interim? I've heard really good things about him. His name is Rich Pisaccia. Um, Yeah. He's our special teams coach. He's been in the league for a long time. Um, this is his first head coaching gig. So very happy for him. We got uh, got him his first one against Denver last week. So that was huge, um, huge for us, huge for him. So uh, in a good spot moving forward, we play Philly this weekend and then uh, on by. So it'd be awesome to get um, another one in the wind column before we head into the bye week. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's move into the college side of things. What are your, what's your take on OSU so far? What's, what's been good? What's been bad? Yeah, you know, I've tried to follow as closely as I could. Um, you know, obviously, I think we were off to a little shaky start um, in the non-conference games. Um, but with that being said, coming out, uh, you know, with th those three wins, uh, it's huge. Um, anytime you can be undefeated, obviously, that's a huge thing. I still don't think that they've played their best football yet. Um, the defense has been unbelievable. I think at times our offense has still been kind of shaky, kind of um, struggling to um, still – progress in the passing game. I think that's something that we're going to improve on. And I think that could really help, help us a lot um, moving forward into these tougher conference games. What is it about, I mean, you've obviously spent a lot of time, Gundy, him being your head coach. What is it about him? It seems like when OSU is most doubted is kind of when they pop up and, you know, there's suddenly a top eight team in the country, uh, does he, is there anything about him specifically that there's, is there any reason behind that? Or is it just, you know, he's a good motivator and developer of talent? Yeah. You know, I think, I, th I think that's part of it. And I also think, um, you know, we still got a good group of guys that are, that are veteran guys. You know, we had the COVID rule and COVID year and all that. It's been crazy. So we are fortunate to have several big time leaders uh, go back for their fifth or sixth year. Um, and I think, I think that's been huge for us. I mean, having that experience and um, having your best players um, are your, as your leaders is, is huge for any program. So, um, I mean, it's a testament to the guys. It's a testament to the coaches. And, um, you know, obviously we had a great offseason and injuries are always going to be um, part of that. But we've seemed to maintain, um, you know, the bulk of our guys um, 
So as long as we can stay healthy and get some guys back here in the next couple of weeks, I think we're going to be in a really good spot. Yeah, speaking on two of those guys in specific that come to mind immediately, Brock Martin and Malcolm Rodriguez. Brock actually already said he's going to stay one more year on top of this one, to which wow. Gundy replied, yeah, then he's going to donate his body to science. <laughs> um, he's one of the tougher guys on the defense. Malcolm is obviously um, the leading tackler and kind of the heart and soul of that linebacking unit, along with yeah. Devin Harper, who, out of curiosity, I think we've talked about it in the past, just pure athletic specimen wise, just the, the, the guy, and you're, you're a pretty good athlete in your own right. So who do you look at and you're like, that guy, that guy's insane. Um, Devin Harper is definitely up there at the top of that list. I, there was a time uh, during um, like spring ball, we do like competition drills and it was this one-on-one tug of war drill. And, and Devin was going against this, massive defensive lineman and Devin was on my my team uh, for this competition and we put Devin up there thinking you know easy win for us and then they put out their biggest defense lineman I'm like oh damn I'm not sure how this is going to go and uh, Devin pulled him across the line pretty easily um, which was very impressive and uh, not to mention he can run and move just as well as uh, any skill guy as well. So, I mean, he is just an absolute freak athlete. So did you, you had, you could have had one more year at OSU, right? With COVID. Yes. So yes, what, how difficult was that to decide whether you want to return or go? I'd imagine that's tough. Yeah. You know, I mean, I broke, broke my foot my freshman year. Uh, I had to get surgery. So I redshirted. Um, so I had my medical red shirt. I played four years and then, um, when the decision came to, you know, come back or move on, I, I felt like at the time, you know, I had a good run. Um, I accomplished what I want to accomplish. And I felt like it was time for me to take that next step. Uh, you know, I graduated with my degree, um, made amazing friends and relationships along the way. And uh, I just felt like it was time for me to move on uh, to the next thing. So it's never an easy decision, but I felt like it was the right decision, the right time for me to move on. What was that? Uh, what was the process like after finishing up at OSU, uh, then going through the draft process, and then eventually, like I, what you signed? I feel like just a couple hours after draft night. So, what was that that draft night, and then getting signed? That process like? Yeah, the whole process was wild. You know, right after the bowl game, uh, go out to Denver for three months to train for pro day stuff, um, and then obviously home for a while. But agreeing to terms with the Raiders. Um, and then I think that next weekend uh, I flew out here to start the camps, start learning the playbooks and stuff. And then we got right into OTAs. We got about a month off and then it was jumping into training camp preseason and season. So um, obviously signing with the Raiders was a dream come true. It's something that I've dreamed about and thought about since I first started playing football in third grade. So very surreal moment um but you know there's obviously still a lot more that um i'd like to accomplish and do here so um i'm blessed to be where i'm at but um i still think there's a long way to go as well well uh go ahead really i was gonna say dylan reminisce a little bit what is because you played in some big football games at osu what is um 
your favorite game you've played in and maybe how about also the most excited game you've played in? Ooh, um, I, I immediately think of uh, my redshirt freshman year when we played OU at home. Um, that's when they had uh, Baker and that was uh, Hollywood Browns kind of coming out party against us, unfortunately, um, yeah. but it was a very high scoring, exciting game. Um, went to the very end. Um, obviously, your Sooners came out on top. Unfortunately, that was kind of the story of uh, my career while I was there, as much as I hate to say it. Um, but you, there were several games. We were playing Texas at home. Um, I think it was a homecoming game, wasn't it really? Was that? Yeah, it was. Um, that was primetime game. They were ranked really high. Um, able to knock them off at home was cool. I remember West Virginia came in. They were highly ranked, and we won with an interception late in the game by A.J. Green. Um, but, yeah, there was a lot of close games and a lot of fun games and a lot of heartbreaking games as well. Iowa State, um, I guess it would have been my sophomore year, so your redshirt freshman year. That that game in Ames was a lot of fun. I think you had the game winner in that one. But that was pretty cool to watch. Yeah. Uh, I was always a fun place to play. Great crowd. Um, that's what we got this weekend. So that's going to be a tester. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, I that game was awesome. Having to opportunity to score, uh, to end it was unbelievable. What's the, uh, in your opinion, where's the hardest place to play? Uh, in the I big think, 12, I should say. I think, uh, OU and Texas are up there. Um, Texas Tech at night. Um, that one, that place is pretty yeah. electric. Um, I'd say those three, though. K-State, K-State's kind of surprising at times, too. There were several games out there that we were like, man, it's uh, it's tough to tough to hear when we're trying to drive down the field. Right. Okay, I've got one, and I'm hoping I'm hoping my answer is, is who I think it'll be. Okay. <laughs> what was the – the, not the best, but the funniest or worst, like, trash talker you, you played against? <laughs> Man, um, I'd love to hear you. What's your answer? Well, I'm hoping you say Buki. <laughs> that is up there. There's so many guys. I can't even honestly remember. It's all such a spur-of-the-moment deal. I've heard some wild things, um, things that are, like, not even insulting or like get under your skin, but you, you stop for a second. You're like, what did we just say? Like I, there's just some outlandish stuff. I can't put my finger on one who was just like, that's definitely the guy that I will always remember talking to, but I've definitely heard some very interesting things. Um, didn't you draw a 15? Didn't Buki get a penalty against you last year, two years ago or something? Yes, he did. I remember that clearly. So yeah. close. <laughs> Is it Buki or Bookie? I think, I've never... I think it's Buki. Yeah. I have no idea. That guy. Hey, he's a character. He is. I, is at Washington now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I'm he's sure He's tearing it up up there. Hey, he's coming out with a sledgehammer. He's in my Sooner Hall of Fame as well, right? Up there with uh, Mike Stoops and Josh Heupel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you have a Sooner Hall of Fame. Of course, um, Rep Bomar is also on it. Spencer Rattler is working his way into it. <laughs> he keeps up this good attitude and play. I like that guy. Parker, <laughs> really, you guys have anything else? 
No, I had to get my I had to get my Buki question in. I love it. You heard it here first. Stoner certifies that worst trash talker Buki. <laughs> All right, well, Stoner, thanks, thanks uh, for jumping on here. We really appreciate it, and good luck yeah. with your season and your young career. I appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, big fan of y'all, so keep keep laying it down, and hopefully, uh, we got another time to, to talk later in the year. Or something. That was our interview with Dylan Stoner on to week eight preview. Start off with Oklahoma State plus seven at Iowa State. Ruley, go ahead and start it off as a poke fan. Yeah, um, obviously fighting demons anytime you go up to Ames. Um, but that being said, aside from that 2011 game, OSU is actually pretty decent on the road up there. Um, tough place to play. Pokes are getting seven. I, I, Vegas knows better than I do, but that seems like a lot of points to be given. I, agree. I um, completely agree. Top 10 ranked team in the country. Um, but Iowa State is underwhelming as they've been so far this year. They're still dangerous. They have one of the best backs in the league in Brees Hall. Um, Brock Purdy's been there six, seven years, it feels like. I know six for a fact, but um, it'll be a really interesting game. I wouldn't think a lot of points, and it's never sunny in Ames, Iowa, so it will definitely be gray and windy outside. You agree with that? Yep. Yeah. I mean, add on. I agree. OSU being seven point dogs seems fishy to me. I like like OSU to cover that. Uh, as far as the rest of the game goes, I agree. Iowa State's probably this is when Iowa State's scary. They've started off slow. Uh, year other years leading up to this, this is not abnormal for them to not get off to a hot start, but seem to pick it up as conference play goes. So I think this is going to be a really, really good game between two teams that are, in my opinion, pretty evenly matched. I I picked against OSU, I swear, every week. So this week I'm changing it up. I think OSU gets it done. I think their defense is scary good. And when Purdy turns the ball over, they tend to lose. He has four interceptions and their two losses compared to none in the rest of the games. And so I think OSU is going to turn them over a couple of times. And I think, uh, I think the folks will get it done. I like OSU as well. All right. Moving on to college game day, game of the week, Oregon plus two at UCLA. Yeah. Gross, gross game day game. It's really uh, just not a great slate in general, not one top 25 matchup. Yeah. Yeah. So this one could potentially be a preview of a Pac-12 championship, two teams, uh, fighting for top spots in their division. Oregon is tied for the lead in the North, uh, two and one. And UCLA is one game back at Utah. They're three and one in conference play. Uh, Oregon's offense isn't the same without Verrett. They've kind of gone stale. Anthony Brown's solid, but they need more of a a presence from their running back um, when they're clicking like they did against Ohio State. And then their Oregon defense struggles against the run. Um, So I think uh, think UCLA is going to get it done. I think you're going to get a heavy dose. Ground and pound from uh, Thompson Robinson and then Zach Charbonnet, uh, who has a pretty absurd uh, yards per carry average. I think he's going to have a big game against Oregon, uh, and UCLA will get it done at the Rose Bowl and eliminate uh, the Pac-12 from the playoffs. Really? Truth be told, I couldn't be more disinterested in a football game. Uh, the Pac-12 it just kind of lulls you to sleep. Mm-hmm. I like UCLA. Literally, well. yeah, I think UCLA has the better quarterback. Um, not necessarily the better coach, but uh, that could be the difference Saturday. Yeah. 
All right, Clemson plus three and a half at Pittsburgh. Plus three and a half, Clemson. Wow. It's been, yeah, it's been a few the years. First, first time since 2016 that Clemson uh, is an underdog against an ACC opponent. Uh, and that was against Lamar Jackson and Louisville in that really, really good game uh, that Clemson ended up winning um, and eventually winning the, the conference that year. Um, but, yeah, talk, talk about two very different teams. Pitt's offense has been one of the best in the country. Like we talked about earlier, Kenny Pickett playing really, really well at quarterback. And they're averaging 48.3 points per game, which is third nationally. Uh, and that's compared to only 20 and a half points per game for Clemson, which is 113th out of 130 nationally. And that includes a game against an, against an FCS opponent. So they're averaging less than 15 against FBS teams. Um, and if you had to score 21 points against an FBS opponent, every week I come up with I find new fun stats about how bad Clemson's offense is. Uh, but their defense is equally as good as their offense is bad. Um, so they keep – you know they've have got they've got two losses, but keep finding ways to squeak out wins against uh, inferior opponents, including a 17-14 win against Syracuse last week. It's probably I can see reason for wanting to take Clemson here. It seems like through being a dog against an ACC opponent uh, could be an opportunity for some value. But I mean, I just think Pitt's a significantly better team. Uh, DJ and that Clemson offense just is, is tough to watch. I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with Pitt. They've struggled to win uh, games against much worse teams than Pittsburgh. And I just think Pittsburgh's got enough offense to be able to outscore that weak uh, Clemson, Clemson offense. So I think Pitt will, Pitt will pull it off. Really? Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, I like Pitt too. Um, you're talking about Kenny Pickett maybe trying to get in that Heisman conversation. I know Clemson's in a down year, but it's still Clemson to name people see at the bottom of the ticker and they look and see what the final score was every week. So if he goes out and has a big game, that can definitely vault him into the national conversation if it, if he's not already. Yep. All right, LSU, nine-and-a-half point dogs at Ole Miss. Yep. Um, look for another big game for Matt Corral. Clemson's demons guys hitting the transfer portal injuries. Um, they are very um, susceptible to getting exposed by a good offense, especially by a good quarterback. So look for a big game from him. He had 195 rushing yards against Tennessee, kind of showing uh, his dual threat ability on top of what he can do through the air. Um, but the LSU offense is starting to get going. Really, really had a good game against Tennessee ran or against Florida, sorry, ran all over Florida. Um, so I think this is going to be a shootout. Um, but I just think, you know, in a shootout, I'll always take the better offense and the better quarterback, which is Matt Corral and Ole Miss. So I think uh, Ole Miss will win. But I'm whether outside of the game result, I'm inter interested to see how LSU plays going forward with uh, knowing Coach O, is, his days are numbered. Yeah, it's always weird. What do you what do you think, Rulet? Yeah, a little bit of a homecoming for former Ole Miss Rebel Ed Ogeron. Um, but I think Ole Miss, they're not gonna roll him just because that defense, like a, like we were talking about earlier, he they just can't stop anybody. Um, but Ole Miss will win the game pretty hostile. I don't know what time kickoff is, but Oxford's just one of those games that you expect the crowd to be a little rowdier. 
every time, no matter who they're playing, they, they normally get up for it, especially um, an interdivision foe like uh, Louisiana State. So I like Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. All right, USC plus seven at Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, Notre Dame, um, ever since Helton got canned, they're two and two under the interim coach, Dante Williams. Uh, this is a uh, big rival game, so despite not having the hype that might have other years, uh, it still is a big big game for both these teams. Notre Dame's won three straight against USC. I mean, and for USC, it just comes down to whether the defense can can make stop or make stops or not. Uh, and their losses, they're averaging, uh, they're giving up over 43 points per game, nearly 470 yards per game. Uh, but Notre Dame's offense is, you know, not anything to be too scared of. Their off, that offensive line has had its struggles. Um, it's a uh, carousel at quarterback. You never know who's going to be coming out, whether it's Cone or Butner or Pine. Um, so because of that, I think USC will keep this close. Um, have a then they'll have a good opportunity to cover that seven points. But Notre Dame seems to find ways to win these close games, so I think Notre Dame will pull it off. Yeah, USC is just not. They still have the talent because it's Southern Cal, but they're they're not. They're not very good. Notre Dame, um, Brian Kelly started recruiting, I think, back to what Notre Dame, the way he wants to play instead of trying to go after all these athletes. He goes and gets the big tight ends, and they, they get under center, and they, they, they beat you that way, a little more old school. But um, I like Notre Dame as well. All right, Parker, take it away with the other other games. Yeah, we'll wrap, we'll wrap it fire through these, just kind of make our picks here, really. So Coastal Carolina, four-and-a-half-point favorite app at App State, who surprisingly went into uh, Lafayette and got their doors blown off of them last week. Coastal Carolina is still undefeated. Um, I think uh, I think I like App State here. Uh, they're a proud program, and coming off a tough loss like that, they'll be ready to go, uh, and it will be a, a crazy atmosphere in Boone for a, a win- nice, fun Wednesday night uh, yeah. Sunbelt game. Um, I'll go against you. I'll say Coastal Carolina. Grayson McCall's really good, and he's still trying to kind of shoot himself up the rankings of uh, quarterbacks to maybe get in the NFL. So, All right, we'll move on here. Uh, Tennessee traveling to Alabama. Uh, Tennessee has not beat Alabama since 2006. This game has lost a lot of its luster. Uh, one of the better, older rivalries in the SEC. Um, I love what Josh Heifel's done so far. But they're not going to beat Alabama, especially in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I think they could cover um, because Alabama still has their issues. But I like Alabama to win pretty easily. Yeah, smoke them if you got them. This is the game, Alabama, after they win, they always go enjoy a nice big cigar in the locker room. Coach Saban, players, fans, uh, pretty sure that started in the 60s, and that will continue Saturday. Agreed. Agreed. So, um, Wake Forest undefeated still. Potential trap game out of conference at Army, who is um, always a tough out. That triple option keeps the opposing offenses off the field. I think eventually Wake Forest's undefeated season will come to an end. Um, And I think it is going to be at Army. Army played Wisconsin really tough last week, losing by only a touchdown. I think Army might just be the better football team, so I'll uh, I will go with Army to pull off the upset. 
I like Army as well, and it definitely plays better for Wake Forest, knowing they had an extra week. They had the bye last week. Um, I'd definitely be full 100% on Army if they had that just one week to prepare because the triple option is so odd. But I like Army as well. All right. We'll keep it with uh, another military academy. Uh, Navy is hosting Cincinnati. Navy's one and five. Um, playing a little better as of late, um, but not the Navy that we're used to um, in the last 15, 20 years. Um, I do think this number is too big. I think playing a service academy team, teams tend to struggle. Offenses have less possessions. If they can keep Ritter off the field, um, that's a win for Navy. Uh, I don't think Navy's got the firepower to be able to keep up with Cincinnati, but I do think they'll cover that 27 and a half points. Yeah, absolutely. That That's a, a lot amount of points, especially for a service academy, like you said. Um, midshipmen will cover, but definitely Cincinnati winning the football game. All right, Big Ten game. Wisconsin's traveling Purdue. Purdue coming off that huge win over second-ranked Iowa. Uh, Wisconsin's struggled this year. Uh, like I said, they squeaked out a win against Army last week. Graham Mertz hasn't been who most expected him to be. Uh, I'm was honestly a little surprised to see Wisconsin favored on the road at Purdue. Uh, I think that Purdue faithful will be fired up for this one being ranked for the first time uh, in so long. And I think, uh, I think Purdue keeps it rolling and beats Wisconsin. Yeah. Wisconsin's abysmal. Graham Mertz is not what Wisconsin fans thought he was going to be a potential letdown spot for Purdue, but I, I agree. I think they win this football game. All right. Last one here. Good one in the Mountain West, uh, undefeated San Diego State, three and a half point underdog, traveling to one lost Air Force, uh, who's been playing really, really well. They've got the best rushing attack in the country, averaging over 336 yards per game uh, to go along with a really, really st stingy defense that allows the 11th fewest yards per game and 12th fewest points per game, uh, which is not good news for San Diego State, whose offense struggled last week uh, in a two overtime win over San Jose State. This was a tough one for me, um, but I'm in, I'm going to go with San Diego State. Um, I just think they're a really solid team. I like what Brady Hoke's done. He's found a winning formula like he did in his first stint there. Um, and I think they continue their undefeated streak. Uh, I'll go against you. I'm going to take Air Force. Um, they, they probably throw it a little bit more than the other two service academies. But I think at home, so they they packed that place out actually pretty well for a service academy. Um, but I like I like Air Force to win outright. All right, so that's our week eight preview. Move on to trivia, little joint trivia. Let's see how Parker and Ruley do this week. You guys could just talk it out. Give give me a final answer. So we are ready. Question one: What team shut out Michigan State in the 2015 Cotton Bowl? I'm pretty sure that was. I'm not. This is not my answer, but really, wasn't that that had to have been that Alabama playoff blow? It was like 31-0 or something. It was either Alabama or when? What year did they play Baylor in the Cotton Bowl at Jerry World? I don't remember. I don't think they got Sean, shut out. Sean Oakman Baylor. I don't remember. I let's think this go, is Alabama though. Yeah, let's go with Alabama. Question two, who was the Ohio State interim head coach for the 2011 season before Urban Meyer was hired? 
Luke. It's Luke Fickle. Yeah, Luke Fickle. All right, two for two. Question three: What Big Ten running back led the nation in rushing yards in 2018? Really, what? Jonathan Taylor, maybe? Yeah, is the John, one. It, yeah Jonathan Taylor matches up timeline wise. All right, three for three. Good so far. Question four: What player was on the cover of NCAA Football 12? What was the last one? Really, 15 with Denard Robinson. 14 was the last one. 14, so it was two before that. Oh, oh God. Let's see. 08 was Zabransky. Yeah. I know you guys don't forget that one. Ah. Was it Brian Arapko? Or was he earlier? We'll go with that because I have no idea. Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. All right, three for four, not bad so far. Question five. In the 2019 NFL draft, Kyler Murray was selected number one overall. Name the second quarterback taken in that draft. Trying to think. Kyler, who would have been the second? Is he in the same draft as Herbert or was Herbert the year after? And Herbert. two. Oh, no, it was. It, I think it was. So, okay, it was that draft. It was, I think it was Kyler. Tua and Herbert were all yep. in the same draft. Yeah, they're all the same draft class. Didn't was was Tua was taken before before Herbert, I think, right? Yeah. I was there so. anyone else though? No, I think those are the big three. I do feel like there's someone else, but those are the big three. Let's so let's go Tua. There was someone else, Daniel Jones. Oh, haven't you felt like he's been in the league for at least like four years? Well, he's just so forgettable. Because <laughs> he's a mature-looking uh, young man as well. Yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. All right. Well, that is week eight podcast. I think it's episode 13. So thank you for listening. Parker, Ruley, if you have anything to close it out, go ahead. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Ruley, we appreciate you uh, you joining us here. That was, uh, that was a good time. Um, yep, yeah, as always – Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at fifth year podcast on Twitter and at the fifth year podcast on Instagram. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's have another good week of college football. Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys.